we are back on the pod after what seems like it feels like weeks have gone by. Um, but even though I think it's only been like a week since we last recorded, um, the world is changing. Um, COVID is still happening. Football is coming back and, um, it's a new day. I don't know. It's been a weird, it's been a weird two weeks. Um, just doing a lot of reading, reflecting, thinking, um, it's been, it's been very almost surreal, quite frankly. Um, and so La Liga coming back in the next two days is going to give me a much needed breath of fresh, fresh air. So Rian, how are you doing? How's, um, how's the last week or so been for you? I know we're all, um, yeah, it's just, it's been weird, but I'm, I'm really, really, I've been really looking forward to this La Liga episode, which is our 50th episode. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. We didn't even start with that. This is. Um, <laughs> I would have loved to have gotten to number fifty under, uh, you know, more normal circumstances. That's not even including the fact that we literally cannot be in the same room together right now. <laughs> um, under yeah, but yeah, I wish wish the world was not as crazy as it is right now. Uh, but yeah, dude, 50 episodes, 50 episodes in, um, a little less than a year, right? Uh, a a little less than a year. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm feeling, feeling not super accomplished, not, not much more accomplished than, (laughs) than I did a year ago, but, uh, but definitely these have been a good way to pass time, um, and a much more, uh, I think productive way for us to pass time over the last year so. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't like, I can't even imagine how many hours and things like that, that we've spent, um, just working on podcasts and doing the podcasts. Um, if each one averages an hour, that's, that's like over two days of, of episodes that, that that's crazy to me. Yeah. That is as well to think about uh, <laughs> just all. And then you add in the hours that, you know, we've had to watch some, some uh, very good football, and then also uh, some very, very bad football. Um, <laughs> wow, just a lot of bad, a lot of bad. But that's why we—that's why we like it. So, I guess Elias, we are two days away from um, La Liga officially coming back, officially restarting, officially. And and today, that's that's what will be. Uh, that's what all of our topics will center around, right? We're we're going to be doing our own little refresher of uh, La Liga, and um, it's probably if you're thinking about the title race plus the Champions League, the race for the Champions League spots, um, it's probably the most entertaining one we've got um, for the leagues that are coming back. La Liga is by far the best league in the world. So I'll just start off there. Um, we'll start the propaganda <laughs> no. early so you don't have to worry about it. Nice, nice, um, <laughs> nice. It helps, it helps that there's, it helps that there's only going to be a couple other leagues to compete with right now, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like we've talked about this and watching several football games a day consecutively is going to be difficult. That's kind of an aside, but we're going to use a little bit of time to just talk about La Liga specifically and it coming back. Um, because it is, like I said, the best league in the world. And so, yeah, to 
to your point, right? Spain has had a very good response to the coronavirus. Um, I mean, pretty much as good as you can get um, from really working with both the sporting league and the Spanish government to facilitate a, a clear cut program. And we've talked about it a couple of times on the pod and, and how they've done that. But now that things are about to restart, um, it's time to actually execute on that plan. And that becomes a more difficult part. So we, we can start off. Let's start off with just going over a little bit of where we kind of left off in La Liga. Um, and then talk a little bit more about, you know, how these games are going to be played, right? Fans and no fans, frequency of games, COVID testing, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rian, we, we left off with kind of a back and forth at the top, right? So Barcelona and Real Madrid were going back and forth kind of the three weeks before we, we went on pause in La Liga. And as it stands now, right, the top five is basically Barcelona on 58 points, Real Madrid on 56 then it drops off to Sevilla in, on 47, Sociedad on 46, also tied with Hitafe uh, for fourth place, and Atleti in sixth at, on 45 points. So that's your top six, and I didn't even mention Valencia on 42 points. And if you look at the point spread between third and seventh, right, it's five points, pretty much all of the Champions League spots are, and Europa League spots for that matter, are up for grabs. Um, so it's it's a very, very tight window at the top and also at the bottom. I mean, like what you were saying, it's been a incredibly entertaining La Liga campaign. And at the bottom, you have Mallorca, Leganes, and Espanyol um, in that order uh, going from 18th to 20th. On 25 for Mallorca, um, 23 for Leganes. And 20 points for Espanol. Woohoo! Um, not biased at all. But um, it, it's very, very tight, right? So any of those teams in the bottom bottom three could easily, easily stay afloat. Um, and any of the teams in the top six to even seven could easily end up outside of the seven or outside of the Champions League, more realistically. So where do we kind of where kind of leave off right so like i said at the, i mean at the top barcelona and real madrid were going back and forth um the the previous two three weeks um it basically went barcelona in first barcelona in second barcelona in first um and so it flipped back and forth and that's why i think when the conversation during the covid period and lockdown turned to well why don't we just cancel the leagues um well that would have probably pissed off real madrid pretty heavily and considering um i think the links between well, they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been the only ones to be fair <laughs> <laughs> yes they they would not have been the only ones especially you know the bottom three teams in relegation but given their links with the spanish government i would have been very surprised to see that happen <laughs> so and oh I, I mean gosh, <laughs> i'm ser- i mean i'm serious all right like it, it it's very difficult for for them to just cancel the leagues um especially in in a year that's so close but if you want to make the argument, right, Barcelona did have the best record after the most amount of games played, so could have done. Anyway, that's a okay, whole thing. Okay, okay. <laughs> like okay. you were saying, these these have been the best two teams. I mean, as every as is every year, but um, they've held first. Each either of them have held first place since the sixth since the sixth round of games. Since after the sixth round of games, no one else has been in first outside of Barcelona and Real Madrid with. Barca being in first for 12 of the game, 12 weeks. So, I mean, they, 
like recently, recently, I know not recently. I can't even say that anymore. Three months ago, <laughs> um, three months ago, uh, we start we started to see we were starting to talk about the fact that these don't feel like very like the best. Well, we know they're not the best versions of of these two teams that we've seen in the last uh, you know last five years or so, but. That kind of made things more interesting, or it made it, you know makes things a little more interesting. The fact that it seems that they were that they were just kind of off their usual, um, real well, the usual top top quality that we expect from these two teams. Um, a lot of that obviously had to do with injuries, uh, especially you know when you're looking at Barcelona who were, who were missing Suarez for for a decent round. They're going to get him back, and Madrid. Didn't have Hazard for a lot of the season as well, too. So you look at Rudy's coming back. Like Rudy is coming back. So, so you're, you're looking at two teams at, at two teams who are going to be relative, well, almost perfectly healthy, um, and that hopefully will mean we'll, we'll see some better quality from them or more consistent quality. I think is is probably the better way to put it, but. Um, yeah, that, that, this is now this, and I think we've seen Italy is also a pretty close title race as well, but, um, this is going to be the one that, that people are going to have their eyes on a lot more because obviously the two teams involved and, uh, and I didn't even realize there's so 11 games left for all of these teams. There's still right. a lot. I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but Spain might have the most games left for to finish their season. I, I, I don't know if it's the most, but it's definitely close to the most it's the 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 league is slated to end i think july 19th now um and that's with games every three days basically three to four days for for each team um but yeah you hit the nail on the head right so they're getting each team and this goes for teams outside of the top top six or top three whatever you want to call it um everyone's getting players back which is great um i think a lot of players have basically had this time to recuperate i mean usman dembele might Feature in 2023. We don't know. Gosh, yeah, um, now, now, yeah. Now he's only like 16 months away from playing. I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So we'll we'll hope and pray that he's healthy for the Champions League. Honestly, but everyone is getting players back, and that's important for I, I would argue a couple of reasons. For the obvious is that you have a full strength squad going into games every three days. Right. Even if you have five subs, games three days every three days is a lot on players. Like it is strenuous to even play every six days you still end up with a lot of injuries and i think in germany we've seen that work out pretty well in terms of injuries i i I can only think of about one to two injuries that have really been prominent um but it's it's worked out and i think the five subs is a big part of it so props but the other portion of that is right now that you have a full squad to actually fight for your spot in the table Right. You can't really fall back on the argument if you're a coach or you're a club that, you know, we didn't have our star player. We didn't have this and that. I went through the list earlier of pretty much all the La Liga teams, not every single one, but most most of the prominent ones. And I think all of them, but I think Valencia and I want to say Celta Vigo have most, if not their full squad back. And so... It's up to your playing style, right? It's up to your coach. It's up to it's up to the players now to actually show their quality. There are no more excuses for that, and I think that's crucial, right? So if you're Real Madrid now and you're looking for the first place title, getting Hazard back it genuinely 
you know, has me worried because before he went out injured, right. He made a massive difference to this team. Like there was, even if you look at the statistics, right. Like his, his, not even his expected goals, but his goal and assist contribution was, I think it, it elevated the team's um, stat by like 0. 0.3 or 0.2 or something, something like significant every game that he was in. So that's a huge part of it. Right. So I think those are kind of the little things to look out for now. And, and, you know, we, we talk about the, the top two a lot, but there's still also other players outside the top two that we were focusing on and other teams. Right. I know you were a big fan of Martin Odegaard, but I, I'm curious to see, you know, and we'll, I guess we'll get into this, but Martin Odegaard, whole Real Sociedad front line basically was stellar before quarantine what do you make of kind of the, the teams coming back out of quarantine? Um, you know, where they're going to be mentally, physically. I mean, wh- what are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it's the same things that we've said back in the about Bundesliga and um, when the Bundesliga was coming back was we looked at what's going to be, what's going to be the effect of the crowd of no crowd, um, no home crowds, especially. Um, and, not even having like the fans to be even be outside the stadium and stuff. Um, I think in Germany, we've seen at least the last couple of weeks, the away teams are picking up a lot of results. Um, there, there, there's not any sort of home advantage um, as I thought we, as we'd expect, but at the same time um, it was last week that Bayern were the only team or through the first through Saturday, um, Bayern were the only team that had won away. Uh, this not this weekend, the two two weekends ago, they were the only team that had won who were away for, through the for the weekend. So you know, we thought I thought that we'd see a lot more, um, a lot more balance in terms of those results because it just would have been like neutral venues, but it seemingly is having some sort of. Uh, effect I think on on the home teams and you know just looking at the Champions League race here the team that is probably the most concerned at the moment would have to be Atletico Madrid who is definitely going to miss that uh, having the Wanda Metropolitano at full force behind them like they're like that's like they're going to miss that for sure um right but but yeah, who knows? Like, who knows? I just let's just start with them. I mean, they as as I think up and down we've seen their season be. Uh, again, some of that has to do with injuries. You know, they were missing Trippier for a while, missing Jao Felix for for a long time too. Who both were just getting back healthy um, in their last game and so a couple of their last games. But we almost forget, or I mean, some people might forget. I'm sure Liverpool fans don't forget, but they. But they knocked out Liverpool. <laughs> like that was that was pretty much the last. That was definitely the last major um, game in in Europe that happened before before um, before the leagues were were totally suspended. Uh, we look back and I see I think even more than uh, I did maybe a month ago that that game definitely should not have been played. <laughs> yep. the I mean, did you see the report that it was linked to forty additional deaths in the UK? Yeah, I mean, and who knows how many in Spain? <laughs> like, right, right, exactly. And, and you think about the Anfield was completely full that night too. So, uh, yeah, that I mean, that's 
that's I, I didn't I was about to say neither here nor there, but I mean obviously that cost that cost people lives. So like that, yeah, you know they that that is we'll look back on that. That's that was a horrible decision to have that game played, but um, but nevertheless, that has to be something that they're going to have to that Atleti and the players and I'm sure Simeone will be holding on to as a as something to kind of jumpstart this this uh, last like ten eleven ga- or eleven games here. And something as a confidence point because right now they're sitting in six. They've been bouncing around that like fourth to six area almost all year, um, and you know it, it's going to be a major hurt in the project that a, a year after um, you commit to paying a uh, hundred over a hundred million euros for Jao Felix that you don't end up making Champions League. Uh, that's that's going to be and that on top of the already financial um, woes that are coming with the COVID um, break uh, outbreak. You know, it's it's really important. Eleven games for Atleti. Um, probably when you think about the the teams that are you know within two to five points of of um, those Champions League spots, it's the most pressure. Is obviously, has to be on on Atletico Madrid. Also, the one other thing, and I, maybe we can elaborate this or on this later. We're already there, but Atletico Madrid, from a financial perspective, right? COVID aside, for a second, when they do their annual budget planning, they budget in their their finances and their income from making the Champions League. That's a part of their annual budget. So, even, so in a situation where you don't make the Champions League or you don't go or get to a certain point in the champions league you're missing out on a lot of revenue and i mean i don't know what their payment plan is to pay benfica back for jao felix but they're a going to need him at some point in the next couple of weeks even though they won't have him because he's out with a long-term injury um but you're not i don't think they got their value for him this season so they're (laughs) They're in even in even more of a critical situation than they were before quarantine to make the Champions League. So it's it would be a massive, like an incredibly massive, um, you know, <laughs> disappointment. I think is putting it lightly, but it would be an incredibly massive disappointment if they if they miss out on the Champions League. So that's that's one of the many storylines, right? That we're paying we were paying attention to before before everything kind of stopped but rian I mean, that, that, that i was gonna say sorry i was gonna say that that whole ahead. top four race in general is is um extremely exciting i think because you looked at you said you know third through seventh is is um separated by five points third through six is separated by just two points um and, and you look at the teams involved there sevilla sociedad Tafe, who who were hovering at the bottom table for most of the the first half of the season and um now find themselves in fifth place uh with a chance to make magic loss yeah and 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 also another thing to remember that happened right before uh the leagues were suspended is that they knocked out Ajax in the round of 16 in, in the Europa League right <laughs> so so you know there's a great race going on there and um Obviously, we we've talked a lot about Sociedad with Martin Odegaard, and, and um, they'll come into this. They've they won twelve of their last fifteen points before the season was suspended. They're sitting in fourth, and in Sevilla sitting in third, 
uh, who coached by uh, Lopetegui, which is just still hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, I just I just got to laugh every time. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but good for him, you know, for after that cup of coffee that he had with Real Madrid um, and, and, and the Spanish national team, I guess, as an extension. Yeah, yeah, um, you forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I good for him. That was almost two years ago, but yeah. Yeah, so um, Rian's an idiot. Um, he decided to update his computer at the perfect time. Um, but Rian, my computer decided it. On its own. <laughs> so he says, so he claims that he, um, he decided to update or his computer decided to update it on its own. Don't know who to believe in this case. Do I believe him? I do usually plan my updates for nine Oh six PM. <laughs> that, that seems like the most logical possible time that you could have chosen. I don't understand. There's no issues here. Like what's, what's the problem? <laughs> Anyway, we were what were we talking about? We were talking about Sevilla before things cut off. Yes, I was. I was just giving Julian Lopetegui uh, some props for finding a way to turn his reputation around a little bit um, after the debacle that was Spain and uh, Real Madrid. <laughs> but um, no, that turns that turns me on to just Sociedad and Sevilla in general, Elias. Uh, out of these two players, um, who should people be more excited about, and and why? These are two. There's a non Odegaard uh, names between Lucas Ocampos at Sevilla and and Mikel. Uh, oh yeah, if I'm tell me if I'm saying this right. Oh the ball. Oh yeah, the ball. Oh yeah, the ball. Very Wonderful. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a. Hmm. Two wingers, two wingers. Right. Twenty. Um. Both twenty-three, I believe. I believe Acampus is also twenty-three. I know. Um. Yeah. Who who should people be looking out for? Alias between these two. So, so, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a really good question. Um. Is Ocampos twenty-three? No, he's he's twenty-five. Ocampos is twenty-five. Oyas Sabal is twenty-three, I believe. If you're asking me, I think the answer is Oyas Sabal. Because I think he, in a couple ways, he's a little more versatile. He's a little quicker. Um, and I think he can play multiple different positions. Um, where Ocampos, it's not that he can, but he's best suited as a left winger. And Borja Sabal, at least for me, like this was a very much a breakout season for him. Uh, obviously before quarantine. And so I, I think that I'm going to be watching him very closely, especially on Thursday in the Seville Derby, right? So that's the first game back for La Liga on uh, Thursday night. Um, and so I, I, I'm really excited to watch how he does the last 11 games. I, I thought he had a great season. I, I would seriously watch out for him. But that's not to say that Ocampos wasn't scoring goals for Sevilla before this is, you know, all... In fact, he was. Some might say he was the only person scoring goals. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. De Jong wasn't doing him any favors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> considering Luke De Jong was just kind of on the pitch for sure. He was there. He was definitely present on the pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and may have maybe I don't know if I've seen another striker um, in any other leagues that I've watched this season who's missed more. Um, let's just call them sitters. To be nice and and just generally be more be as um, ineffective in some games. 
you clearly haven't seen Luis Suarez when he's over fifty kilos. That's um, it's <laughs> yeah, a but at least he behold. can at least he can put the ball in the net. Oh, fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, yeah, <laughs> Luke Tiong. He started to get better towards the end of quarantine or uh, the end of the um, pre-quarantine season, but it's still not where what Sevilla need. Uh, granted, they are in third thanks to Ocampos and a lot of his contribution. But to answer your question, look out for Oyasabal uh, the rest of the way, and um, I think Sevilla have a fighting shot. But we'll get into the top four and who we think, kind of into the second part of the pod. Um, but I did want to give a quick update on kind of you know, with COVID going on, how these games were, were going to be played. Because I think one of the biggest updates that Spain came out with most recently is nothing to do with COVID testing, right? The players will be tested um, very frequently, pretty much after every game. Um, and that's a standard for all La Liga teams because there are, you know, morally now enough tests to really be testing everyone in La Liga and the general populace. So it's not really a conflict of interest. Um the one thing that I think is interesting is that so Spain has different phases, right? So they have phase one through, I believe it's four or three. I forget how many phases there are, there are now. The point is, so Las Palmas, right? The island of, of Las Palmas in Spain, they're in, I believe, phase two now. And in phase two of the, um, the you know, opening up, that's actually the phase that's allowed to have fans back in the game back into the stadium and so the president of las palmas this week basically said well why like i know it's a league of protocol that no one can have fans but we're in phase two right so why can't we have fans and so in in reality like in theory las palmas could have fans at their stadium for this weekend's games in theory but in reality and in practice it's probably not a smart decision to go ahead and do that both from a health perspective and just from an optics perspective. Cause while La Liga probably couldn't do anything about that because the people that really control the, the, I guess the enforcement of the different phases is the sports ministry in Spain. Um, and they've okayed fans back in the stadium in the next phase. So in theory, it's, okay but it's probably still not going to happen and i think that's that's a bad precedent right if you if you're the only team in spain you're not really making it fair for other teams to be able to have fans so there's been a whole discussion this week about whether or not las palmas could should or could have fans back in the stadium but the fact that even entertaining that as an idea is just amazing progress right like that's i think the the bigger picture to take away oh absolutely absolutely and I think honestly, like that would be amazing to see if just Las Palmas was able to have their was having their actual fans in. I'm sure that even <laughs> even if they could have some, they wouldn't they wouldn't have all of them. But it would be it would be really funny to see just one team that actually has some sort of home advantage in all of the European leagues that are restarting. Um, <laughs> that would be funny. I, another thing I was thinking about is, you know, this is something I'm thinking about with Spain and Italy uh, returning. We're coming to like, you know, the beginning of summer once these, once they're like really restarted. And these are two very, very warm climate <laughs> countries. I, I'm kind of worried about the heat, honestly. It's it's a fair worry, and I think that's actually 
been taken into consideration. Um, and one of the ways that I think La Liga is combating that is basically they're going to have games that only start in either the later evening, excuse me, or well before it's even warm in the day. Um, Cause Spain does get very warm, um, especially in the summertime. And so they've basically made an effort to have pretty much 6 30 PM and 11 PM local time kickoffs to, to avoid the heat entirely. So not only will they have that, they may also have, I guess, quarter breaks, right? So halfway through the first half and halfway through the second half. And then on top of that, they have the five subs. So keep freshness, keep heat exhaustion away from players. Um, it, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's being thought of. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to be even more, um, It'll be even more apparent, obviously, in the last in the latter stages of games. It'll be really interesting, interesting to see, obviously, with the heat and and having players who have some have to play the whole ninety minutes and whatever it is. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how many how kind of frayed and and how open game the games might get um, close to the end uh, of the last fifteen minutes or so with the. Yeah possible heat exhaustion cramps whatever coming into play yeah that that's definitely going to be a big big conversation and so i i hope it's not an issue it hasn't been so far in germany but again completely different climates so it's it's a fair point but that's kind of i guess the wrap-up of you know how games are going to be played we may even see fans before the end of the season um the post-covid season but I highly doubt it. Um, it's probably best to not or to only have fans right when the uh, oh looks like my cat's getting excited. Um, but it's probably only best to have those those fans in the stadium in the next season, the 2020 and 2021 season. So that's it for the the games and, and those updates. But taking a look at kind of some of the team by team updates, one of the biggest things that's happened this week um, Messi missed two training sessions last week and over the weekend. Um, so you can tell that my weekend was already very stressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least I, we talked a lot, I think, about what this team looks like without him. Just um, Oh, Manchester United. We agree. It, yeah, yes. One, one Messi away. One Messi away <laughs> one from being Manchester United. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously not great. So what, what is right now the status of, of Leo's injury? Yeah. So this morning and I think yesterday as well, Kike Setien basically came out and said, Messi's good to go. Um, he did miss those two training sessions. I think it was more of a precaution for a muscular injury. Um, he seemed fine in any of the pictures and videos that you take a look at over the the training sessions. So they, Barcelona did some training sessions at Camp Nou um, over the weekend and earlier this week. And so he seemed to be fit. He started phasing himself back into those group sessions earlier this week, and he seems to be training fine now. So I think it was more of a precaution than anything. But anytime that you see all right, a, a man that's in his early, getting into his mid-30s now, um, that has to basically carry this team. And oh, not to mention that games are being played every three days. You're gonna you're gonna worry about his health. And you cannot, cannot even risk any bit of his fitness. If he's even a little bit like uncomfortable, 
you, I just don't think it's a smart decision to risk him. So I do think he plays actually this weekend um, on Saturday night. They play away at Mallorca, but even if he wasn't, if he's 95% ready, don't play him because you have another game in three to four days. And that's definitely the, that's definitely the smart way to go here, but you'd hope, but you know, 11 games left, like we talked about, and they're only two yeah. points up on, on Madrid. It, it's 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 going to be difficult to I don't know, put any sort of reins, you know, whether it's not actual reins in terms of his minutes, you know, limiting his minutes or anything like that, or even like a psychological one as a coach, like you're not going to, they're set to end. Uh, it's going to be really hard to try to monitor his health um or his fitness and health straight very, very closely game to game because you know, you're going to need him game to game. And, and you don't really have the luxury of sitting um, Leo Messi for a game here or there in these last, in these last 11, just to give him a break because the points are so, so vital. The, every point is so, so vital. Um, and, and, you know, as we're seeing, as we're seeing in Germany and as we we're going to see when um, Italy, Spain, and England all, all um, restart. It's, it really is a sprint, this last half. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be a very, very tight race, and I, I genuinely don't think the league's going to be decided until the very last match day on July 19th. So I'm excited to watch football. It's like it's like having the Euros almost, basically. Like, it's, it's uh, oh, very yeah. like having that. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it really does feel like that. Um it's which one we're gonna go. Oh, I remember. Gosh. Yeah. Well. Well. Soon. Maybe. <laughs> maybe next year. Maybe next year. Fingers crossed. Maybe. But. Um. But no, you're totally right, though. It's gonna have a real Euros kind of feel, especially once all the leagues, or all except France, obviously. But once all the other leagues are um are going again, and, and we're at the end, we're you know mid June to end of June is. We'll have four leagues going at once. We'll have games from four different countries going on probably probably every day. Um, when you know, there's probably going to be very few days between the middle of July or sorry, middle of June and the end of June, um, where there won't be uh, a game of football on. But as, from wait. there, <laughs> from there, at least, shall, shall we move on to um, to the second? team uh sorry the team in second with real madrid i I know there's been some developments um around the estadio bernabeu yes um other than your main man big booty coming back um real madrid's not going to be playing their the rest of their league games at the bernabeu and the reason being is a part of it is a safety concern right but it's a safety concern because they're they're trying to i guess get ahead of their construction schedule on the new stadium that they're building. And I think that's scheduled to be done in about three years, I want to say. Um, so they're trying to get ahead of that schedule, right? So now that they have basically an extra couple of months to work on it, um, why not get ahead of it now? And so all of Real Madrid's La Liga games will actually be played at their training ground. I don't have many more details on that and how it's going to work, but I'm very interested to see. I mean, of course, all of Real Madrid's training grounds can be made to be league regulated and things like that that's not really the concern i'm just i'm so interested to see that televised because it we already think that 
it, it kind of feels like a training session when you're watching some of these games. Like the Dortmund Schalke game, the first game to come back, felt a little bit like a training session. Now you're having it at a training ground and you're basically making it feel like a very long training session. Um, and the one thing I that can't I wait for the I can't wait for the uh, for the noise that's going to be pumped in for the training ground. What what's what's it going to be? Yeah. Dude's on a, six guys on megaphones just just singing <laughs> singing some Real Madrid songs. Like what what are we doing? An i an iPod <laughs> <laughs> or someone's iPhone just jacked into like a stereo? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I was actually going to say. Is that fan noise is going to be played over all of the rest of the stadiums in Spain, along with, I should add this before I get into more Real Madrid stuff, get this, virtual CGI fans. So yes. your whole point about yes. getting creative, they <laughs> oh heard. Gosh. I mean, seems, I'm going to be honest, the idea itself in concept is awesome. In practice, seems stupidly expensive but but yeah, yeah but i did say let's get weird and that would be pretty weird i can't wait to see what these people what these cgi uh <laughs> whatever humanoids <laughs> look like <laughs> well the, the conversation about this like this week right was around that around the idea that are you devaluing a real human fan like, are you basically like taking that away from the fan base, the ability to be in the stadium, like the value that it has to your both your players, your club, et cetera, by putting in these li- literal humanoids? Like, is that taking you away? And, and I ca- almost kind of agree with it. Like, it's a little bit of a slap in the face to a fan saying you, we can just replace you with something that's, <laughs> that's something that's virtual, basically. Yeah, I see. I, I do. I get that part of it. But I think fans shouldn't shouldn't have to worry because you know at the same time the ticket receipts are quite uh, lucrative to the profits of of all these teams yeah. and and right. these fans being in the stadium and buying concessions. Um, although I'm sure I, sh- I I would hope that in Europe the concessions are not as much of like a price gouge as they are here in the states, but. Um, but either way, like they're they're very reliant on the fans, so I think people should be. We'll be fine. We'll be back once when people are are able to be back. They're going to want people back as quickly as possible because they're all kind of stapling together their butt cheeks because they are just <laughs> shitting out money <laughs> at an unbelievable rate. That's just every team <laughs> in Europe, <laughs> and and the thing that helps with that, you know, one of the adult diapers that could help would be having fans <laughs> that that's one that's one of the um the measures to help uh that uncontrollable diarrhea of cash that is just going out the door at many of these clubs <laughs> that's a very very strong image that i have in my head now thank you very much of Josep bartomeo quite literally shitting out cash and I, I can't get that image out of my head so thanks for that um but going back to the point about Real Madrid, um, and your and your point's very valid, but going back to Real Madrid, right? So playing their games at their stadium or their training session, not their stadium, um, training grounds. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to have an advantage, like where they train versus where they play. There's no fan atmosphere, and that is an enormous deterrent 
um, or takeaway, I should say, from having a home field advantage. That's almost the sole reason that you have it. So I really don't think it matters where these teams play. Um, what's more interesting to me is who Real Madrid actually, or who's it Dan, I should say, go with for their starting lineup for not just this game, but kind of the rest of the season. Because I think Hazard, in terms of his fitness, has been fighting his way to get back into the starting 11 now. And we, he may start on, I believe they play on Sunday. Um, he, he very well may start that game, but does he sustain that now? I, I would guess yes, but I don't, I genuinely don't know the answer to that because we haven't seen him play in, you know, in the context of the season in weeks. No, totally, totally. And he is, you know, we, we know how good Lionel Messi is. We know how, how good, um, that Barcelona can play as a team when when they are I don't even want to say inform um, but more know what the plan is know how know how the coach wants them to play. Um, Real Madrid it's it's I mean historically been about star power right and I think for that reason I mean, and Hazard is is probably the biggest X factor in the league right now yeah. because. If he comes back and he's even 85%, 80 to 85% of the player that he was in his final season at Chelsea, you know, then, then you're, you're looking at like a real, uh, you know, it's, it's gonna, it could be the difference. Um, it could, it could easily be the difference because you look at what they've done so far with having him basically in and out of games. He's only played 14 games this whole season, has just one goal. Um, he, he, missed the first game of the season and he got injured like a day before the first day of the season. And he came, then he came back and he played a few weeks um, and got injured again. Um, and then he oh, came back it. again and then, and got injured in an international break and then came back. <laughs> and then um, a week later, or sorry, not a week later, he comes back, plays one game, looks good against uh, Batiste, I believe it was, uh, or sorry, Celta Vigo. Um, and and then injures an ankle against Batiste after that. So it's <laughs> it, it, it's just been a start stop season, and um, they're they're gonna need him. They they're gonna need him. That that's the only. I think that is Madrid's only chance is that and Hazard has to come back and be one of the f- three best players in the league. I, I, just just to just to even have someone close to Messi because. They because you look at how at how Barcelona we've talked a lot about how much Messi has carried um, Barcelona a lot this season. Well, it's, Madrid needs their own player to carry them now to to help carry them, and and even though he may not not have to carry them to the same extent of a Messi, he's going to need to be the best player on the pitch in or one of the two best players if they um or no the best player on the pitch he needs to be the best player on the pitch in every one of these last eleven games. And, um, and, and we'll see, we'll see. Hopefully this time off has let him recuperate and maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see a more, um, I think, uh, aggressive hazard when he comes back. Uh, you think about how much time he's missed and, and how I think now he's probably a bit more acclimated in terms of what Zidane wants from him, what, what um he needs to do for the team and this is this is it right here like he's you look at the seasons that that he won champion or sorry the premier league with chelsea each of those seasons 
the last two to three months, two and a half, three, two months, let's say, the last two months of the season, there wasn't really much of a challenger. I mean, obviously there was Spurs-ish, um, but... That's not a good none, one. But none of yeah. those, none of, but but none of those were Chelsea going into the last two to three games of the season, um, only only up by a point or or you know in a real like rate a real like dogfight. Um, and this is going to be a, a great a great way for Hazard to, to show that he is he does deserve to be in the conversation of the players up right below Messi and Ronaldo and, and prove that he's, that he is the player that many of us think he is. So I mean, I'm excited. Neymar, but yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't think we're ready. You're not ready to put Neymar in the same conversation as Messi and Ronaldo. You know that. Well, we were a couple of years ago, but maybe not anymore. But yeah, that, that is a whole different podcast alone. But anyway, so that's, I guess, the the point on Real Madrid, right? I, I think we'll have more info come next week when we know what their first starting eleven is. Um, I'm very interested to see if James gets back gets back into the starting eleven. I, I don't think he does, but I'm very interested. I'm very interested to see where Isco lies. Two players that have basically been on the fringe under Zidane for the last two years. Um, I mean, James for the last year, but I'm I'm very I'm very interested. I don't have the answers, and I don't think we will until Sunday, but. I guess the last point that we had on La Liga, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about how close this top four race is and really top seven race is. Rian, give me, give me your top four. Give me your Champions League spots. Who do you think is, you know, come June, or I should say July 19th, who's going to finish top four? I, well, we know who will be um, in the first two. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put, my bets on who I think will win the league because I, oh, I think I really, well, I'll, I'll give you two scenarios. If, if Eden Hazard comes back and he's 80% of the Eden Hazard that we saw in the World Cup and then the season after that with Chelsea, then I think Real Madrid are able, will be able to win the league. But if he comes back and if he gets injured at all at any point, I, I, think they're, I don't think they're going to be able to have enough to um, keep up uh, with, with Barcelona. But... I think that's why I said I think he's the biggest X factor. Um, if he's, if he's I actually one hundred percent agree with you. So yeah. Um, and then from there, I I think Sevilla will stick in third because I, you know, I I know I sent you um, a little grid that shows you know the the games for um, the teams in third through six. You know, Sevilla, Sociedad, Hatafe, and, and Atleti. Their their final remaining games, and Sevilla has. You know, I agree that Sevilla has the easiest road here. They they play three different teams who are who are either in the bottom three or within three points of the bottom three. And yes, they play Barcelona once, but uh, they play Barcelona. They don't play Real Madrid in the last uh, 10, 11 games here. And the only other team that's within that uh, third to six race, the third to sixth uh, spot that they play is Sociedad, who has arguably. Uh, the hardest of the schedules left because they still obviously they have to play Sevilla, but they have to play um, Atleti as well. They have to play Hitafe on the final day of the season, and and they have to play Real Madrid. I mean that. I mean that. I can only imagine. I mean, 
Yikes. Could you imagine if Hitafe goes into that in fourth <laughs> place and Sociedad needs to win <laughs> to get fourth? I, I, I think, it, it could happen. I mean, it'll. I think every Sociedad fan might end up like breaking their TV that day just because, <laughs> fact, just because I'm sure Hitafe will find every way to just piss off <laughs> uh, Sociedad. <laughs> if they will. So mean something to them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess with, I. I want to be hopeful about Atleti. I think if it, a lot of that depends on the on um, do we get Jao Felix Jao Felix back at any point in these last eleven games and what and at what level? Um, they, they're still going to have the same problems that they had pre um, suspe- pre uh, COVID suspension of this season, right? That we talked about, where they had a lot of trouble finishing their chances. Um, is that going to, how, how do we think that actually that's going to get a lot better? No, I don't know. Um, so with that, I, I think I'm going to stay with Sevilla in third and I'm going to say Sociedad gets fourth just ahead of Atleti. I, I don't think they'll go in. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think Hitafe will actually have a chance to make the, will still have a chance to be fourth in that, in that last game. But for sure that they're, uh, I think they're, I don't think the Sociedad will have it wrapped up by that last game, which would scare the hell out of me if I was any Sociedad fan. <laughs> Very fair. I, listen, between Hitafe and Sociedad is is just imp- it's impossible. It's so hard to to say who's better. Like Sevilla beat Hitafe before the quarantine three nil. Um, so I think I agree with you, right? I'm. I, I agree with you on the Barcelona Real Madrid piece. I think Hazard is really the X factor and that'll be very dependent. Um, I think in some ways he can almost counter the Messi factor. Um, and it's going to really be dependent on where he steps up. Where it gets tricky is the third and fourth spot. Sevilla, I think have just enough of a lead. Not even like it's a point, I guess it's, I don't know. I, I would say that, I think Sevilla do not finish third. I think it's possible they finish fourth, but I don't think they finish third because I don't think they have the firing power to, to keep up with that. They've won, I, I want. I think it's like three only of their last nine or so, something like that. Um, something that's not impressive. Uh, that might be a little off, but it's not extremely impressive. And I don't know. I love the way Real Sociedad play. They just aren't as consistent, whereas Hatafe, I hate the way they play and they're even more consistent. So where do you kind of find the line? And then, of course, there's Atletico. So my picks for one, two, three, and four, in no particular order, I would say the top two, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Um, third, I'm going to go with Real Sociedad. And in fourth, I'm going to go with Sevilla. I, I, I cannot tell you why I'm not picking Hitafe or Atletico because Atletico is the obvious choice. They need it more than anyone. I just with, I think that without João Felix, I mean, we saw with them without João Felix, it's hard for them to find a score. Alvaro Morata can only do so much. And Lorente is a journeyman. Um, so I'm going to go with Real Sociedad and Sevilla. I think they're, they have the best playing style. I think they have the, the best chance with the players that they have. Man, that's a that's a really tough call. I, I could easily be just as wrong, but that's what that's what my gut is telling me. Yeah, and I think an, an interesting thing about uh, how Atleti's 
how they'll end the season. And then, and then obviously um, when we look ahead to August too, like we might see a much better, I think there's a, we'll see a much better Atleti team, even though it'll be many, mostly the same players. I think, I feel like, I think we're going to see a much better Atleti team in August um, when the Champions League starts again. I would be, I, I would be more afraid of that team that at that point, Jao Felix might will will most likely be um, fully fit and hopefully will have played at least the last few games of the season for them and they'll have more time to kind of blood in you know um, kind of blood in player blood in like uh, Jao Felix to the system and and give him more time and there was so much turnover over the over the last summer I just feel like the more the season the more games that they play the more. Uh, that they're going to probably become, I think, more of a dynamic team. I, I think the season was always a little bit transitionary, right? Um, so I, I think the Atleti that we see in these next 11 games might not be at the same level as the team that you see in August. I, I would put more money on the team, on this team looking more impressive in August when the when Champions League returns, but... I'm just still not sold currently that at their uh, ability to finish teams off with, with goals. And, and that's just not as much of a, that's just not as much of a problem in, in a knockout game where you could, where they can kind of just do what they did exactly against Liverpool and steal a goal here and there. And we still know that this is one of the best defenses in Europe. So I, I think this team is more scary in August than they are, than they will be for the next um, for at least the next six to seven weeks. Yep. No, I completely agree with you. I'm very excited to see. I, again, I, I'm very excited to see what July 19th holds. I, I really don't know where we're going to be. The league very well might be decided that day. So there's a, still a lot of league to go, and I think there's a lot more that we need to kind of work on um, to understand between now and then. But, dude, I don't care. La Liga's back. I'm so hyped. I'm going to be watching the Seville Derby on Thursday afternoon, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, at least. So, Rian, football's back, man. I'm so excited. I'm excited, too. We're slowly, slowly returning to some sports normalcy. Um, well, what the new normal, at least, will be for the, the next... New normal, yeah. yeah for, for the, for the summer. Las Palmas president back to regular normal but that's not soon smart. enough soon enough <laughs> soon enough soon enough but with that that i guess that wraps up our 50th episode or i can't i really I genuinely I, I can't believe that so i will say thank you to everyone that's listened so far um i mean we started this a little less than a year ago just kind of on a whim and two friends that wanted to talk a lot about football so we appreciate you guys keeping up with it um following along and We'll keep bringing you the best content that we can. So appreciate the support, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys.